0: Can anything good come from pain, addiction, disease, or darkness that resides within? Can we be transformed? Can we find new hope for what we think is hopeless? What would happen if we were awakened to an idea that begins the work of restoration? What if that idea began to mend us? This idea begins to transform our pain and hurt into something useful. Something beautiful, it can be done. Our lives can be reclaimed.
1: Hi, Mountain. It's good to see you. I'm Ben. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm honored. I'm excited to be with you and to uh, to experience what we're going to experience today. If you're joining us today and you walked into a building that says mountain on the outside, you're probably one of our four campuses. So why don't you join me in giving a big welcome to everyone at all four campuses (laughs) at Bel Air and Edgewood and Abingdon and Mountain Road, and some folks are joining us online as well. Really glad you're with us, especially today is going to be a really, uh, I think, a special day. We've been praying a lot about today that God is going to be present and move in a special way in our midst. So that every single one of us will have the opportunity to respond to God in a way that maybe even you weren't even planning on before you came. We just want to see that happen today. We've been praying about that and I believe it's going to happen. I'm excited about that. One of the ways that some people are going to respond today is through baptism. Just as you find on the pages of Scripture, we're going to find it today at our campus. As You notice there's a pool set up. Because it's ready, it's warm, and we're ready for anyone to respond. Some have already said, I know I'm doing that, and others maybe will decide before the time is up. And you can be baptized today. And it fits perfectly with this, this thing we're doing called Reclaimed, right? Reclaimed is this series, if you're just joining us, it's all about this idea of old stuff that seems like it's only worthy of the scrap heap, but you know what? It can be reclaimed and put together in, into something new, something beautiful. And so we've looked at that principle from scripture and seeing how in actual lives God can reclaim pain. We talked about pain. We talked about how God can reclaim like crummy church experiences. How God can reclaim dysfunctional families. Some of us got that to deal with. God can reclaim like our mental health challenges, like a Like um, anxiety and depression. And God can reclaim abuse, we talked about last week. And so this week we're kind of like, bring it all together with the sort of just like punchline, which is this, that God really is telling us through His Word and through the power of Jesus that we can live and are meant to live a reclaimed life. Like our whole life can be reclaimed. I've got a scripture that sort of, I think, like summarizes that. I want to share with you that sort of just says so clearly what the Bible promises can happen in our lives. And here it is. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Paul has talked about Jesus and the difference he makes in our lives. And, and then he says this. This means, in other words, what Jesus can do in a life. He says this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, belonging to Christ is different than knowing about him, right? Like you belong when you give yourself to him. Like you, you, you surrender everything, all the all the parts have to go into his hands if he's going to reclaim us. Anyone who belongs to Christ then has become a new person. That's a reclaimed life. Like a new person, like there's something new about you. You're different than you would be without Jesus in your life. The old life is gone. And the new life has begun. Old gone, new has come. This is what happens to a person who devotes their life to Christ and Christ comes in and it happens in an ongoing way as well. How many of you know today that something in your life needs to go? Something needs to die. Something needs to stop. Because until a seed goes in the ground and dies and gets buried, the new thing can't come up. Something has to die. There's a death in following Jesus. Just like Jesus died before he could rise again, something in us needs to die. The old life has to go. How many of you know something needs to to die? There has to be a death. Because there's a new life, a new you, a reclaimed you that can't happen until the pieces are given over, surrendered. To Jesus. And this is why I think the early Christians loved the symbol of baptism, because it pictures this death, this dying to self, this washing away of the old so that the new can can be reborn and, and can come up again in my life. In fact, in the book of Romans, chapter six, it's the Apostle Paul talking Uh, about this very idea. And he's talking about how Jesus can can reclaim our lives and this kind of idea. And then he he says this, well well then, should we just keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Like he forgives our sins and he can, you know, do we just kind of stay with the old life? He says, of course not, since we've died to sin. Like when you come to Christ, there's a part of you that's trying to say, I'm dead to that. That that part's gone. How could we continue to just live that way? So, Or have you forgotten that that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, you belong to Him now, we joined with Him in His death, for we died. We died and we're buried with Christ. If you get baptized, it looks like you're getting buried, doesn't it? And just as Christ was raised from the dead by glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. There's a death that has to happen so that there can be a new life, and the, the reason this is so is that, that the Bible it just makes it clear what we already know in our own lives, and that is that there's, there's such a thing as sin in the world that just kind of infests everything, and it leaves our lives kind of broken, like there's parts of every one of our lives that are, that is broken. So, you know, it, it may look different for each one of us, but for some of us, it may be that you experienced a divorce, for example, and that had a way of kind of like shattering some dreams and changing plans, and something inside of you changed forever. Or, or maybe you had a miscarriage or a series of them or an abortion or some sexual experiences and it still got you kind of jacked up a little bit and there's all kinds of brokenness that we experience or maybe the way you relate to people you're starting to realize it leaves a trail behind you and it doesn't work very well and you know there's something maybe with you that needs to to die or be reborn or maybe it's your marriage that's not going well or you're feeling financial pressure right now or you're just incredibly lonely you wonder if you'll ever find love, or you're struggling in some other way in your life, or you got this facade that looks good, but inside you're not so good, or you're a big success in sports or business or school, but inside you're like a moral and spiritual vacuum, like a failure. That way, I, I don't know how you're broken, but I know all of us are. And it kind of it comes down as simple as our past, our present, and our future. There's brokenness in all of it, like our past. Could you do me a favor? Everybody, raise your hand real high. Real everyone, 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 play along. See all your hands up. Okay. Take a look at the person next to you. Is their hand up? Okay. Everyone with their hand up has failed and is a failure in a certain degree. Okay. Give a, give a high five to a failure next to you because they're probably even worse than you are. All right. So, yep. We have failure in our lives, don't we? All of us do. You know Whether we're talking about moral failure, athletic failure, academic failure, relational failure, vocational failure, spiritual failure, you know all of it, we're not alone. And the failure from our past sometimes is more than an oops, it's like a deep guilt and a residue of shame that stays with us, and that failure of our past is part of the brokenness of our lives. Some of us have not just failure from the past, but it's fear in the present. There's a challenge you're going through right now that is part of your broken pieces. He walked out on you. You know, the medical prognosis is not good. The treatment isn't working. The savings are gone. You've been betrayed and you don't know if you ever trust anyone again. Or there's physical limitations that you don't know how to overcome. Or the, the marriage is joyless. Whatever it is, there's the fear in the present that this is, this is something I can't control or fix. And that's some of the brokenness we face. And some of us, it's not just the past or present. It's the future. It's the futility of the future as we face a death we can't control. How many of you uh, are aware that there's a new study out that says that the mortality rate is still hovering right around 100%? You're aware, right? Like pretty much all of us, one of these days, Memorial Day, is about you. Okay? You go to a graveyard, it's like all these different people, old, young, one day it's you. And none of us can control that. And if you think about it long enough, it's like, well, that feels kind of futile, like I can't do anything... To, to, to live forever, I, you don't have that kind of power and control. And that, for some people, is the, is the broken pieces, the fear of, of the future and the futility of it all. And what I've been praying, and many of us have been praying about for today, is that many of us would decide to follow Jesus Christ, to trust Jesus Christ, to take all of this stuff and put it into His hands and trust Him and express that through baptism as we've done for 2,000 years as a way of saying, I want a reclaimed life. I want some of my fears and failures to die so I can be brought together so that my past can be forgiven, my present, I can have peace, and I can have eternal salvation in Jesus' name, and I'm going to do it through Jesus Christ and celebrate it through baptism today. I've been praying that would happen today for many of you, and I believe it can. What it reminds me of is kintsugi. Do you know about kintsugi, anybody? You're like, is that a soup? No, it's not a soup. It's like a Japanese art form. I got a picture of kintsugi. This is a piece of kintsugi. It's where, like, stuff gets broken... Okay, and then they like put it back together. Here's another piece that I like. I like this one a lot. And and it gets put back together. I've got a real one right here. And it's just so cool. So like this thing gets broken, right? And it's like someone's ready to sweep it up and throw it away, all the pieces. And, And then an artisan or someone skillful comes along and says, wait, 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 give me that. And in the hands of the right person, all these broken pieces go back together again. And you know they use gold and silver to glue the pieces back together again. And, and then the finished product is worth more and more beautiful than the original was before it was ever broken. And the flaws aren't hidden. They're right out there for everybody to see. It's part of what Kintsugi is. And this is exactly what God wants to do in your life and in my life. That, that's what this church is about. That's what this We're a Kintsugi church, aren't we? The broken piece is coming together in the hands of the only one who can put it back together and it's more valuable when it's done. It's more beautiful and the flaws aren't hidden. All of this becomes more clear, I think, when you get to see it in the life of someone right in front of you, right? So that's why I want you to join me in giving a big warm welcome to my friend, Jack Larkin. Come on, Jack. What's up, buddy? Hey, man. How you doing, man? Good to see you. Now, I said the name Jack Larkin. A bunch of people are like, Jack Larkin's here. And others are like, who's Jack Larkin? And then when you said, hey, some of them heard your voice, and they're like, I know that voice. And if you don't know Jack Larkin, Jack Larkin is the voice, uh, half of the voice of the Jack and Aaron show on Shine FM with like a bajillion (laughs) listeners and uh he's a great friend and a great mountain guy and we just we love you and your family and um you know what what i the reason i thought it was so important for jack to come and uh he thinks my job is easy and i think his job is easy you told me one time i had a face for radio yeah yeah yeah
0: and we were we're all praying for you because you're holding that bowl we thought he's gonna drop that bowl we can just see it i got it
1: i got the bowl no don't worry about me you just do you jack Um, (laughs) it's not easy Everybody, a lot of people know you, and I, and a lot of you are like, oh, that's Jack Larkin, and um, you know about the ministry that he has, and and how Shine FM just, yeah, like a bajillion listeners now, and but how you personally have ministered to so many people and blessed so many lives, and you're such an encouragement, and you're like, Jack's so positive, he's funny. Well, he's not as funny as he thinks he is, but he's kind of funny, and <laughs> you know. But that's what they know about you, right on, on the surface. And yet, there's a whole lot more to. Jack Larkin and what God has been doing in your life for a long time we wanted to share some of that would you share some of that story today yeah yeah
0: so I mean I'm looking at this this bowl this pot whatever you want to call it and I mean the thing that I noticed you know I thought a lot about this through the weekend and um, all of our cracks are different they're different sizes they're different shapes some are small some are big Um, my my first little crack in my bowl was my parents uh, divorcing at a very early age Um, I was raised by my stepmother and uh, my father. Mom's still in the picture um, here and there, but uh, she, stepmother, alcoholic, so that was, you know, constant. Um, Between the ages of five and seven, I was molested. It was a friend of the family, uh, a guy that, that they knew that was entrusted to babysit me. And it was, that's, you know, you wanna talk about a crack in the pot that stays there and God needs a lot of glue. Uh, for that. And some days I kind of still feel like he's gluing that, that part back. But I wasn't believed either, you know, that mm-hmm. that, that is another another gut bunch. Eventually I was. And um, so that was uh, between five and seven. Thirteen, I started using drugs, um, which, you know, for the next few years ran wild in school. And my dad, he became a believer, came to the Lord. And uh, so, I, you know, I'm running crazy. And he's like, I got to do something. I got to save my son. So, um, I had my seventeenth birthday in treatment, which was not awesome. Um, but it, you know, I look back and it saved my life uh, at that time, and it gave me some sort of a foundation for what would would, would happen later.
1: Mm-hmm. So, lots of lots of tough stuff and some broken pieces growing up. Seventeen, mm-hmm. the treatment gets you cleaned up mm-hmm. that way, and you yeah. begin a, a sort of next leg that, at least on the outside, appears like things are coming yeah, together I mean, so what happens next
0: you know when graduated high school a student you know that had never happened before went on to college um i started working at a radio station got interested in that and uh met my wife and uh girlfriend then wife now and she uh she saw me as somebody that was you know doing the right thing you know she was on her own track to success um and that that went that way for about seven years we ended up moving to um, to Alabama. I took a job at a radio station doing mornings, and I was also in charge of some other stations. But the thing, if you know anybody that suffers from addiction, maybe you yourself, the thing about it is it never gets better. It always gets worse. If there's been a fashion of time where you've been clean or sober, um, and you pick up again, you pick up, at least I did, right where I left off. Mm-hmm. And another crack came, and that was my wife's cancer she was diagnosed with breast cancer at uh, age 28 and it just mm. rocked me um, and it did her but but she was a believer early on
1: so she the cancer comes mm-hmm. and it's like a, a scare and a threat to your life it kind of drives her toward God mm-hmm. and it drives you back down how'd that yeah. happen
0: yeah I mean I, sh- she kept getting closer to God and it was just you know it was like every day is a day to celebrate you know, with, with with cancer, and I'm 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 just kind of a workaholic, at that time, and uh, just uh, there. I just remember a day where, you know, she had a bunch of surgeries and, and reconstruction and stuff like that, and I found her medicine. You know, and I had no spiritual foundation. I kind of went to church once in a while, but, you know, it was a a place where I guess the work stopped working. Mm. You know, um, and after about nine months. I was in full-blown addiction, street drugs, you know, doctors, four or five doctors. I was going around alcohol, and it was, you know, I, w- I would start the morning show. You get up at 3 o'clock in the morning to do a morning show, so I'd start with a tumbler of vodka and whatever I could, and I thought I was doing great. I was the best shows I'd ever done, you know. <laughs> Not good. And people would come around and say, man, you're, well, what's going on with you? And I was blind to it and got fired and thought I was leaving the radio station. I thought, man, now I can do my thing. Just out of my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, My wife, she was, I think, praying for the best and hoping for the best, but preparing for the worst, you know, because I was, nothing good was getting ready to happen.
1: Yeah, so So you're kind of, uh, you didn't know it, but you're spiraling out of control. Mm -hmm. Things are getting worse and worse. There's a turning point. Mm -hmm. Describe that. Yeah,
0: it was uh it's kind of funny we talked i talked to to julie about that uh a little while ago and you know she was going off to church to to, you know just go to church on sunday um she's trying to develop this relationship i was going out to get more drugs and uh had god was not on the radar believe me but it was this still small voice that just said stop i mean it was loud you know they talk about this it was a loud voice and it said, "Everything you love is leaving you." So, I just—we all get this moment of clarity, and it was like this—this this veil was lifted, and I could see me for what I was, what was happening. And so, I just dropped to my knees and I said, "God, I don't—I don't know who you are, what you are, if you are, but I need help. I need you." And uh, that was November 30th, 2000. So, I haven't had a That'd drink be- or a, a drug since then.
1: Yeah. That began a new trajectory. I think it's so interesting. She, she was going off to church looking for God. You're going to the streets looking for drugs, but in a way, you're both looking for the same thing. Yeah, yeah. You drop to your knees, and this begins a new life. Uh, you become a Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, you find a church. You're baptized, yeah? yeah? Yeah. And everything is perfect after that, right?
0: Everything, yeah, right. Sure. <laughs> I've got a perfect life. My kids would laugh, you know. They're like, ah, oh, Dad. Um, no, it was horrible. It was it was the first year of sobriety it was awful. I couldn't find a job, any kind of a job, forget about a radio job, and it was just humiliating. And it, I think if you spend any time unemployed, you know, you feel worthless. I mean, we're we're created to do something. You know, you gotta have a reason to wake up in the morning. And I tried, I couldn't, and it was just so frustrating. And um, I look back at that time and there was, there was, you know, I tell my kids like, with sports, you know, sometimes you don't get the position that you want, or whatever. You got to work while you wait. Mm-hmm. You know, you got you got to do the work while you're waiting for this thing to happen. And um, I was working while I was waiting because I was in a new believers class, learning what it means to have a, a relationship with God. Why why do we have to have this Jesus? You know, what is baptism all about? You know, I, I, how do you even spell baptism? I don't even know. But um, I learned these things, and so you know, the roots were growing. And when it was time, I did get a job. I'm, I'm employed, so I did get a job sometime. It During
1: the time, it's awful. You thought it was the worst thing ever. You're looking back, and God didn't even waste those pieces. No. He used that. That's no. when you got your roots in the faith. It's, you took the New Believer class. You got anchored in, and then in his timing. It's a good lesson for us sure. when we're going through tough stuff. Yeah. God's up to work. God, God's up to something at work. He
0: always is, and it's always different. I have a plan of the way I think things should go which is a to b but usually god is like this because it's a more beautiful view yeah from his vantage point
1: yeah and so god was faithful and out of that and not only did you find employment eventually that leads you to baltimore to Mm -hmm. shine fm and this beautiful ministry you have and we're so grateful for that and you've got this beautiful family here's i think we got a couple pictures of of, uh, julie uh you and julie and um and then the kids, uh, you know, your kids are, are amazing, we, 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 we love them, and, and uh, Brady, and uh, what's your daughter's name? Lindsay. Lindsay, I couldn't remember Lindsay's name, and uh, that's amazing that God's been so faithful to you, and yeah, there's people that I think are listening, they're going, okay, so, I just, what's, what's your word of encouragement for someone today who's like, they're not on the other side of this yet, what would be your word of encouragement okay. to them? Well, I mean, whatever it is that, that,
0: that you're going through, I mean, I, I believe we're, we're all either have been through something, going through something, or about ready to go through something. And we will, if you haven't been broken yet, it's coming. You know, I don't know how or why or, or when, but uh, we're all going to face this thing. And, and if you're in the middle of it right now and you're just, uh, you're lost, he's there. There's never been a moment where you have not been on God's mind and, um, You don't have to do it perfectly. You just got to say something like, God, I need you. I can't, you can, I I don't know how, but I want to let you,
1: you know, and he'll take it from there. He is faithful. I am so grateful to Jesus for not giving up on you and so grateful to you for your humility and willingness to reach out to him that day, but then to continue helping other people Mm -hmm. do that. You just show our appreciation for Jack Larkin. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. So I love how Jack talks about a moment of clarity where you kind of see things clearly. Where like all the stuff you've been doing, it's like, oh wait, something needs to die and I need to be reborn. Like that's, and that's exactly how the church begins. When you go to the Bible and you look at what happened on the very first day of the church, it's called the Day of Pentecost, all these people came together, and Peter, whose own life was a disaster, I mean, he denied Jesus, but, but the Lord put him together, and so he experienced this thing in his own life, and now he stands up to tell others about it. And when he's finished, this is what happens, Acts 2, 37 and 38. Peter tells them about Jesus, the moment of clarity that he had, and he creates a moment of clarity for them. And Peter's words pierced their hearts. Like, this has got to move from here to here. Like, down deep. Like, you can't just hear this and then, like, okay, when do the NBA play? You know, wins the finals. No, no, it's like, it's going to pierce your heart. And And they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? There's a response that's required. And Peter replied, every one of you must repent. There's the death. And turn to God. There's the birth. And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then, and I would add only then, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God will be with you. You'll belong to Christ. You'll come into your life in a way He wasn't before. And then He goes on to say in verse 39 and following that this promise, it's a promise from God and it's for you, but it's not just you, it's your children and your children's children and those who are far away. Who does that refer to? Us. That's a promise for us today. For all who have been called by the Lord our God. And then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourself from this crooked generation. And those who believed, some response is required from us. But when you belong to Christ, you, you step toward him, you drop to your knees, you say, I need you, you believe. They were baptized, and they were added to the church that day. Not later, not when they felt more ready. That day, that moment, that hour, and 3,000 of them were baptized on that day. And that's how the church of Jesus Christ began, and it's how it still functions today. Jesus speaks to us, calls us, you respond, you show it through baptism, and he comes into your life, and he never leaves you. And you can have a new life, a reclaimed life. I love what's happening at Mountain, but sometimes... I fear that there's some of us who are here, who are here kind of almost like bandwagon style, like following the crowd mentality more than out of a personal faith that's really yours, like your own relationship with Christ. I don't know. Maybe you were raised in a church or you just kind of sort of have respect for the man upstairs, but some of us, I worry, are, are, are we really walking with God, like you've surrendered your life, like there's a de- some stuff have died so you can have him raise you up to live for Him and with Him every day. I worry about that a little bit, because there's a, there's a lot that's attractive about here, and, and being here could be fun and exciting, and there's great music, and the kids ministry is awesome, and just cute guys and cute gals, and right, you know, you just want always looking for a church with a tall, muscular, uh, lead pastor. Uh, you know, I, I understand. But my concern would be, is if you're falsely lured into believing that you're in Christ when really you're just in church. That you'd be falsely convinced that you are somehow in Christ when really you're just near Christ. That you're, you think, well, you know, but you're really just attracted to Jesus without being attached to Jesus because you haven't surrendered. There hasn't been a death and there hasn't therefore been the reclaimed new life. And I just, I just want to say, what, would, what, would, what must I do? If you ask me that question, I'm going to answer the same way Peter did. Every one of you. Every one of you, every one of you, repent, let something die, and turn to God, let something new come up, and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and God will be with you too. And you can do that this day, and I hope that some of you do. Um, I hope in the next few minutes, nobody will be a spectator, that everyone will participate in one way or another in what happens. I know some people have signed up to say, I know today is the day I want to be baptized to take that step. We're excited. We're going to cheer for you and support you. And some of you are like, I didn't sign up for anything. So could I do that? It's like, yes, you can. Absolutely you can. I wasn't planning on it, but you know what? Neither were the 3,000 They got baptized that day. They figured out a way to pull it off. If they can do it with 3,000, we can do it here. So at each campus, we've got water, and the campus pastors and me and some others are going to get in that water. You can come forward. You can take your watch off. You can get in that water. I'm going to get in there with all my clothes on, and you can do the same. And if you're really nervous about changing clothes, you can do that. We've got a private room for you, but I don't know if that's all that important right now. What's important is the moment of clarity about what you need in your life, what needs to die so that new life can come. So why, why would a person get baptized? Well, let's start with this. Jesus commanded it. Okay, do we need another reason? Go make disciples, he said. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And some of you are going to obey that command today. Then Jesus did it by example for us. And every one of the early disciples was baptized. In fact, you go through the book of Acts, and every single time a person comes to Christ, they are baptized. There is no example in the New Testament Scriptures of a person who comes to Jesus who's not baptized. It's there. It's a big deal. It's part of it. Nobody thought it was magical or hocus-pocus in the water was doing something. They knew that they were responding to Jesus Christ and that baptism was the way that you went public with it, just like Jesus did. Well, some people say, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm ready. I've got to get my spiritual act together. I need to clean up my life a little bit, and then I'll be ready for baptism. No, you don't understand baptism. Baptism is a birth. It's a beginning. It's not a sign of maturity or perfection or that you've got it kind of together. It's a sign that says, I need Jesus, and I'm ready to get born and start something. I want water to wash away the old, and I'm ready to start up the new. So if you're ready to say, Jesus, I need you, and I want you in my life, and I want to start walking and getting my life on track with God, then you're ready for baptism. Some of you are like, you know, I was baptized or held up in church and prayed over, sprinkled with water when I was a baby or a little, little toddler. And I want to do anything that would be disrespectful to my tradition. It's like, I wouldn't want you to do anything that would be disrespectful for your tradition. But you know, you could do what hundreds and hundreds of others have done at Mountain who said, you know what? Thank you to that pastor or priest or pastor or, or friend or parent. Thank you for planting spiritual seeds in me when I was a little type and for holding me up and praying for me and believing and, and, and trying to encourage me. But now you know what I want to do. I want to echo that decision on my own. I want to affirm it and mark it as my own decision today to choose Jesus in my own personal relationship, which is something that no one can do for you. On Judgment Day, your family's not there. Whoever sprinkled you's not there. It's only you and Jesus. And so some of you need to do this for you today. Maybe some of us were baptized a long time ago. I mean, it wasn't our decision. Maybe some of us were baptized because you just kind of went along with some friends, or maybe you were baptized because some church told you you needed to, in order to, you know, become a member of that church. But it didn't really signal the beginning of a relationship with Jesus for you. So some of you need to do this today for you and for Jesus, to mark this moment. I know a lot of the practical questions come up, like, you know, what do I do? Is the water is the water cold? you got a towel? What about my watch? You look kind of weak. Are you sure you can handle me? I know there's lots of questions like that. We got answers to all the questions. We're well prepared for you. Yes, we have towels. Yes, the water's warm. And we've been around for 195 years. We've only lost a few people. So (laughs) the, the odds are in your favor. In just a little, if, in like a, seriously, in a couple of minutes, I'm, I'm simply going to count to three, and I'm going to pray a prayer, and campus pastors are going to get in the water with the clothes they have on now. Liz is going to come up here at this campus, and, and we're just, we're, we're just going to ask. I'm just wondering if there's anybody who's going to cowboy up and say, I'm in for Jesus Christ. I'm going to be baptized today. I'll be waiting for you. Campus pastors be waiting for you. And I just hope everyone will respond. Here's what I'm asking. I'm talking to four groups of people. One, if you already have been baptized, it was your choice, you were immersed and you did this, I'm asking you to remember that baptism and rededicate your life to Jesus Christ today. Let him, let him kill something off so you can have new life today. And you pray your guts out for people and celebrate them when they step forward today, okay? If, you, if you're a person who's one of our helpers, and there's lots of them, you'd be praying hard for everyone who's making a decision about whether they're gonna say yes to Jesus today. And if you're a person who's already registered, you're like, I know I'm in. I'm a, I, you lead the way. And we're going to cheer. you're going to hear this church go nuts cheering for you, okay? And I'm also talking now to someone who says, you know what, I want to do this and I'm ready. Or someone who's like on the bubble, I'm saying if you believe in the Lord Jesus, don't let this moment pass without responding to him in faith and he will not disappoint you. He will meet you in this moment and if you need to be baptized today, there's absolutely no good reason why you should not be. Well, I don't know. I, I, uh, I haven't had a baptism class. I feel like I should have a class like you just did. All right? Well, I came with guests today. I wouldn't want to be an inconvenience to them. It might take long. Listen, listen. If you came with a guest today, mountain people, are we going to be supportive of this or what? Okay? Don't you worry about that. You say, oh, but I look so good today. It's like, don't flatter yourself. It, don't worry about that. It's just your pride talking. I don't know, but I wasn't planning on it. I wasn't planning on it. So you know what? Maybe it was on God's calendar, circled on His calendar. It doesn't matter if you were planning on it. If you're ready, we're prepared. We've got towels. We've got a system. We got, we'll take care of you. We'll watch your stuff. We've we got a changing area if you need it. But what about my precious iPhone and my lesser Samsung? What should, what should I do? We'll take care of your stuff. We've got a whole system. We've got an envelope. We've got a Guido with a gun, and He'll guard your stuff. I promise you. we got it all figured out. But my kids are in Mountain Kids, what should I, I don't want to, you know, we talked to them back there, they said you can pick them up next week, so it's all, it's all good, okay? I'm just visiting, I don't know if I want to be a member of your church, you know, it's like, that's okay, we're not sure we want you to be a member of our church. You know what? When you get baptized into Jesus Christ, you're not baptized into a church, you're baptized into the name of the one who can forgive your past, take care of your present, and secure your future forever. You say, I don't know, but I, I wish my family was here. I wanna, you know what? We're going to take your picture. And you can share that a thousand times with every family member you have. And you know what else? You've got family here. At every campus, we are your family as well. And your father is here, and he will say over you what he said over his own son at his baptism. This is my child in whom I'm well pleased. You've got family here. Don't let that hold you back. It's between you and Jesus. I want to know who will courageously say yes to Jesus to, because you want your, your, your failures in the, in the past forgiven. You want peace from Jesus in the present, and you want an eternal future that is secure in his name, and you'll do that by saying yes to Jesus who baptized him today. I want to know who's going to say that. So I'm going to ask you to stand up in just a moment. I'm going to ask you to stand up for the one who hung naked dying on a cross for you. For Jack, his moment of clarity came and he dropped to his knees. I'm asking you to have a moment of clarity where you just stand up and you just humbly stand before the God of the universe who made you and loves you, who's called you to this moment to say it's time to get your life on track with God. It's time to let some stuff go so you can get to the new life. It's Today's the day. There's no good reason for you to leave here and not surrendering. And if you planned on this ahead of time, when I get to three, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to stand up and you lead the way. You're going to hear us cheer for you. And if you did not plan on being baptized today, I'm going to invite you to stand anyway. No apologies, no excuses. You just stand and you're going to get ready to see this church go nuts and lose their mind in celebration. So let's count to three. All of our campuses, everybody ready? Saints praying. God is here. This is your moment. One, your past can be forgiven. Two, your present can have Jesus in it now. Three, your future can be secure in the name of Jesus Christ. One, two, three. stand if you're for Jesus today, you want to be baptized. I want to see you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. It's not too late. You're okay. God bless you. Stay standing. You stay standing for Jesus. All right. Okay, let me pray. Let's pray. God, God, I thank you for your presence here moving in all of us. I thank you for these people who are standing. I thank you for the people who haven't stood yet, but they will in the next couple of minutes. We thank you for the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and that that can mean the same thing in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. And all of God's people said... Amen. All right, Ben, in just a moment, you're going to get in that. Wall.